my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. The big question for this week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? Yesterday we talked about who rightly owns the world and all that is in it. Today we're going to be talking about what is mankind's appointed role. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about why won't the green political agenda work. And then on Thursday we're going to move to what is the biblical solution. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And Eric, it is fantastic to have you with us today. It's ha- great to be back. What have you been up to? Well, we're we're getting Birdwood back on track. Yep, busy with uh, church work. And uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, 20 people there with the space we've got. Uh, so that's going to happen this week for the first time. And one of your presenters, Helen Gray, is actually going to take the service there. So if anybody's listening, come to Birdwood. Oh, Helen, Helen is a really good presenter. She really is. It's almost enough to get me to come up and listen Myself, actually, that's uh, that's really fantastic. Um, yeah, now, Eric, look, let's come to our, our discussion for today because I'm conscious we've got so much to actually actually cover. Uh, you know, world religious trends—they are significant. There are so many changes that are happening at the present time. You know, at the present time, most of our churches in Oz are actually now progressively reopening. I know that my church has a has had limited worship for a, for a couple of weeks. Uh, last weekend, however, we actually had a two worship services in our church facility. This week, we're going to have a general reopening. But, you know, there's been some really interesting material that's been written by a number of people out in the big wide community. Now, I picked up one article today in the religious uh, uh, news service It was entitled, As Churches Reopen, uh, Let's Not Lose the Sense of Sanctity in Our Homes. And this is what it said. After more than two months of strident lockdown orders, churches across America are finally beginning to reopen, a welcome sign to millions of people of faith who have been waiting for the chance to gather and worship together. I witnessed this excitement recently during our first church service at the church that I pastor. Because of state restrictions, we were only allowed to let a 100 people inside our 1,000-seat auditorium, but being inside the room, worshipping together, even if it was six feet apart, felt like a breath of fresh air. Yet as churches begin to slowly resume services, we should ask ourselves, should we return to business as usual? For many of us, church over the years has become synonymous with steeples and programs, music and attire. But to the first believers, the church meant an intimate, family-centric a community of faith. And then the article came and, and made this statement. From my perspective as a pastor, one of the silver linings of the COVID-19 pandemic is that it's forced us to once again make our homes a place of worship. Now, 
Eric, that really jumps out at me. Mm. It's forced us to make our homes a place of worship. How do you react to that? Well, it's true, isn't it? I mean, um, because of the uh, the lockdown and everything, um, I think people have had the time to to have more of a family gathering at home and to and to spiritually grow together. You know, just just isolated together. And I think that that's had a, quite a bearing uh, on it. And it's going to be interesting as we come back how what the those challenges are going to bring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it? Because what you've actually had is, uh, for, for years, we've actually had uh, church being connected to to things like uh, uh, like uh, steeples and programs and um, you know people people doing liturgy that that sort of stuff. But as we come back again. Um, you know, people have now adjusted to the media, entertainment, television, uh, you know, worship home. And there's some positives with worshipping at home. What, do you, what did you see as being the positives of worshipping at home? I think just the fact that, um, you know, it's... It kind of, as I say, brings a f- uh, to, to well to us. And as I watched my family and, and what they did, it just made it uh, the fact that they basically had a rest from their duties on Sabbath. I shouldn't say it so much that way, but yeah. it, it actually um, it, um, gave them a bit of a break to look and to reassess uh, uh, what we do on Sabbath, I guess. And I think the, the church structure, as they say, we've always run it that way. We kind of need to look and to see what we can take out of this um, to make things Maybe more spiritual, more relevant to people, um, and w- I'm sure when they when everything is back to normal, when they come back, it'll be interesting to see the changes that take place. I'm certainly going to take some things that we've done with the Aboriginal people. We're still going to have those long. Um, even now, with our Bible study, we've changed it where we get together again. Just started it a couple of weeks ago, but we also have a Zoom link. We have the computer in the room, and we link in with those from Unadada and uh, Port Augusta. So that has been a change for us already. So in other words, there are positives that are coming out of this. Mm. And yet I'm conscious, Eric, that there are some, some challenges because just, just yesterday, actually, we, we did talk in here about um, some research that's been done by Barna because what they've been doing is researching people who have been sitting at home uh, watching uh, worship services online. And uh, they came up with some re- remarkable results. Um, for example, uh, they discovered that... Um, a one-third of churched adults have not streamed church services in the past four weeks. Now, mm. these are people, okay, the definition is people who regularly attended church once a month, which you know, some people would say that maybe that's not, not all that regular. But of those people who uh, define themselves as being a church-attending people, one-third of them had actually not streamed a church service. In other words, there was a level of what I would call disengagement there. Uh, then you've got uh, another group of people that were identified in this uh, in this research, and that was um, um, uh, church members who were sitting at home, but they were church hopping. Now, <coughs> traditionally, church hopping is I decide to go to another church, but uh, what they discovered was that there's about uh, 23% of people who actually sat at home. Uh, most people were listening to the services from their own particular um, congregation, but they found that 23% stream services from different churches, essentially church hopping online. So you've got this, some have disengaged, not watch at all. 
others have church hopped, gone somewhere else. Mm. And then there was a, a third category from the, um, uh, from this survey, and they found that uh, people who were watching at home, many of them were actually multitasking. Now, I don't know what sort of multitasking, you know, they're watching their church service, but at the same time, they're making dinner or they're, whatever else it is that they're, they're actually doing. Now, you know, if this, um, survey was replicated in Australia, Eric, do you think we'd get similar results? Well, the people I've talked to, I think we would. I've got to be admit I'm a bit guilty of uh, some of those things, you know, having a cuppa and a, a piece of toast while watching something or being in my dressing gown or whatever and uh, I've talked to other people and also with the, um, you know, maybe um, our church is running an online program and there's also living ministry, I must admit that I've flicked over sometimes because a topic will grab me and, and you know, that's the sort of thing that, that happens there. Um, but I think it will have an impact when we come back because what I think the mainstream is that when we're all together, uh, you know, you build that that trust and unity is there again, you know. So it's because we're um, sort of isolated in our homes and we um, it, it does have an element like I know that with some people that I've talked to in our Aboriginal group that uh, if they don't fellowship together, then they they can drift away like you were saying some don't even watch a program yeah Yeah, that is a worry yeah okay okay because this is something that the church is going to have to deal with in the in the very near future near future tell me eric I'm conscious that in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter uh, chapter 10, uh, Paul actually says something that I, I've wondered whether this could possibly apply to us today. Now, uh, Paul says, he, Hebrews chapter 10, and it's verse 23, 20, uh, 24, 25, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who's promised is faithful, and let us consider one another, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching now I'm conscious that many of us can actually see the day approaching it says exhorting one another even more as you see that day approaching but don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together now Eric do you think that this particular passage has got anything to say to us uh, at this particular time because you know I'm conscious that many people now have a choice you know do they they sit at home and worship at home or do they go back to the local congregation and yet to me Paul seems to be saying here hey don't don't forget the local congregation you need to go back you need to um, don't forsake it um, encourage each other uh, in uh, in doing this do you think do you think Paul is actually making a good point here? Oh, for sure. I think this is so important. Um, the gathering of us spiritually together is, uh, is, you know, right throughout when you look at the Bible, you know, Jesus' custom was to go on the Sabbath and uh, and to gather. Even Jesus wanted that, you know, and, and he gives us the example of gathering there. And, there. and I think the devil drives in a wedge when we're not together. We are weaker uh, in singly than rather in numbers because fellowship being with 
with like-minded people brings us um, brings our makes our I believe our faith stronger um, and helps us to support one another when we're actually isolated and spread out. That's when the devil can come in. I've noticed with um, a lot of the some of the Aboriginal people I deal with, some of my contacts that they say, "Well, why do I need to come to church? I can just you know pray at home and that." But I find these are the ones who won't even come, who won't even study the Bible. They won't even look into it, and and, and they you know they drift away. So it is important that we gather together, and this is what he's saying here that we can uplift one another. Sure, you can do it by Facebook or whatever, but to be together face to face and and spirituality is so important. To yeah, get yeah, it, it's really uh, this issue of needing fellowship, yeah. needing needing the support of somebody else. You know, mm. we're living in such a almost an isolationist, individualistic type world where we've almost attempted, we've almost uh, started to do everything ourselves. You know, I am I'm self sufficient. I actually don't need other people. But you know, what I'm conscious of here is that Paul seems to be saying is that you need other people. We need fellowship. We need fellowship so that we can grow, so we can develop, so we can be supported. We need to be able to be in fellowship so that we can, I suppose, even support others who are maybe struggling. Because my my conviction is, Eric, is that we're not intended to be in this world Alone, we're not intended to walk through this world as individuals. No, and when we're together, we can bounce off, uh, you know, different parts of scripture and learn from each other, and that's what it's about. When you're in the world and isolated, and we we're out there all the time, we get a different point of view. We get um, throwing us what the worldly view is, but when we're together, there's something unique about uh, a group of fellowship uh, of believers. And at the end of time, you know, the remnant stands together with whatever is thrown at her and this is so important fellowship because a day may come when we can't gather together yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, we need yeah. to do it. And we need to take every opportunity now because one day we may not be able to do it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But e- even then, I'm mm. conscious that hey, um, God is. You know, we're able to support each other. Right. You know, when we come come together. Yeah. Now, look, Eric, thank you so much for that, uh, guys. Look, let's come to uh, to some music. Love the Downing family. This is He Leadeth Me.
today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. 
that's a fantastic uh, little little magazine. If uh, if you've ever wanted to dig into the the Bible, not sure where to start, that's a fantastic place to actually start. Uh, please have a grab grab that uh, magazine, Hidden Truth, if you possibly can. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church, and it is wonderful to have him with us today. Our big question for this week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? And the question that we're talking about particularly today is what is mankind's appointed role? It's a subject that the elite can't stay quiet about. Yesterday we chatted about Greta Thunberg, who at 16 has become an environmental activist. She's known and renowned around the world, but she's not the only one. Pope Francis is making major statements on the environment. Just a day or uh, two ago, I, I picked up a uh, an article in one of the um, uh, news media, and uh, it was entitled, Nature Never Forgives. The pontiff has emphatically urged immediate steps to combat climate change, calling it an imperative to act to save God's creation. The article goes on to explain that Pope Francis is not the first pontiff to insist that caring for the environment is the responsibility of every Christian. But he has been the most forceful. He minces no words in his often harsh and anguished calls for urgent action. As far back as 2015, he issued the first ever papal encyclical on the environment. The document made it clear he intends to use the power of the papacy magnified by his immense popular appeal to press world political leaders. He's he's been expected. He's made appeals to the United States. He's been to the United Nations. He's spoken with the president. This, This is a huge campaign by a person in a religious field. Some of the things that he has said really stand out. A Christian who doesn't safeguard Christian, uh, creation, who doesn't make it flourish, is a Christian who isn't concerned with God's work. Could that be true? The earth, our home, is beginning to look more uh, like an immense pile of filth. In many parts of the planet, the elderly lament that once beautiful landscapes are now covered with rubbish. Unfortunately, he is correct. We receive this world as an inheritance, he says, from past generation, but also as a loan to future generations to whom we'll have to return it. Finally, he made another statement that really jumped out at me because he used some biblical terminology. This is what he said. As stewards of God's creation, we're called to make the earth a beautiful garden for the human family. When we destroy our forests, ravage our soil, pollute our sieves, we betray our noble calling. Hey, now that is a very significant statement. Now, Eric, I'm just I'm just so 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 conscious here that Pope Francis 
actually uses a term that's sometimes a bit foreign to us today. He uses this term stewards. As stewards of God's creation, we're called to make the earth a beautiful garden. Steward. What is a steward? What is stewardship? It's a, it's a term that's foreign to many of us today. Help us out on that one. Yes, yeah, stewardship is uh, when we've been given um, charge to uh, to look after something by a manager. In this case, God has has given us uh, things under our our protection. Uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, Genesis talked about animals and land. You know, when I think of this, I think of um, the Aboriginal people and how and how they dealt with the land. They have a spiritual and a wonderful connection with the land. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to them it's their life um, you know back in the old days way back um, Aboriginal people had a very deep knowledge of things around them uh, and uh, one of the um, historians said that uh, that they knew even the type of grass they knew would burn well they knew what type of fires to burn for what types of land how long to burn it and how frequently and, and he said skills like that we don't even know and Aboriginal techniques were based on fire prevention really in the land of fuel and debris and scrub and undergrowth and certain grasses, you know, the, the fuel lights easily, which allows for more intense flames that are harder to fight. So the Aboriginal people knew this. They would set small-scale fires that weren't too intense and clear the land of extra debris. And the smaller intense fire would lessen the impact on even on the insects and the animals upon mm. the land. So they knew what it would hurt and what it would destroy as well as to protect the trees and the canopy around the trees as well. Um, back in 1830s and 40s, Major Mitchell, uh, during one of his explorations, um, actually drew pictures of things like this. He, he drew the, the trees and the very little undergrowth, the, the scrub underneath, and and uh, he said there that the grassland had become like an eucalyptus forest as fires and harsh clearing of the land led to denser growth. That's what was uh, being cleared away. And researchers believe that before 1780, People used fire to create and maintain even the park-like landscapes, burning at the right time with the right intensity. And uh, so they were able to use the fire to, to actually look after the environment. And uh, and what has happened today is uh, we that wasn't done when we had the big bushfires that came through. And I think, Eric, you actually make – we'll come back to you in a, a sec on this one because I think that what you're bringing up here is a really significant point and so important for us today. Do you know, in – the, uh, in the indigenous um, stewardship of the land, they seem to accept this responsibility to care and to keep it. Mm. And that meant that uh, on, on occasions, it meant that, for example, you would allow, you would even start fire in order that uh, future growth would actually be Enabled, you know, so much. I, I'm conscious that so many uh, today think in terms of, uh, okay, we've got to leave this pristine wilderness. We don't touch it. We live. We allow it to become overgrown, and by becoming overgrown, we have protected it. In actual fact. It seems we could have actually done the opposite. Yes, and that's the Aboriginal philosophy that they look after the land and the land looks after them. You know, and, um, you know, well, today it's sort of turned the other way around where people can get uh, what they want out of it, uh, doesn't care about the land. They try and take what they want. Well, the Aboriginal philosophy was that they, they looked after it in a stewardship way. They were caring for it. So, in other words, our Aboriginal people were functioning as genuine stewards of 
the land. I mean, um, this this concept of stewardship is so important. And tell us, from a Christian perspective, what then is stewardship? Stewardship, you know, like um, when it went back to Genesis and talked about um, uh, that uh, we would be uh, we were made in the image of God, and that uh, uh, that we uh, were given the the earth to, to multiply, but to have dominion over the fish and the birds. Now, it doesn't mean that the, the word dominion doesn't mean to dominate or to rule or, or to take what you can out of it. It actually means that you care for it and look after it. And I think that's that's actually really significant there, Eric. I really appreciate you bringing that up because there are so many who actually pick up that particular verse in the book of Genesis and talk about uh, mankind as God gave them the uh, the the the, um, uh, the right to dominate the world. Where in actual fact, that's what you're saying is that that's not what the word actually means. No, no, that's right. It's to care for and, and, you know, if we're going to, if we've been created in God's image, if we're to reflect Him, it's actually reflecting His character and the way we treat the things we have. It's like, Gary, um, I might have mentioned to them, to you one time or another about this, but if you own a house and you live in a street, you know, um, and I'm not saying this about all people that rent, but sometimes if it's only rented, then they don't, the gardens aren't looked after too well, uh, not as good as somebody that owns a house. That can happen. And and to us as stewards, you know, even though it's not ours fully, we are still in char- we're stewardship of of that, and therefore, um, you know, we reflect that uh, by the way we look after it and look after it properly. And that's what the earth is for: is to look after it properly in a way that it that it, it runs itself, basically. And, and and to pick up the illustration that you just made, you know, so I'm conscious that sometimes those who actually have invested in property will sometimes actually uh, pay someone. To make sure that the, the lawn is mowed, to make sure that the you know the various um, you know things are done around the house, and it'll go on to the cost of the rent. Mm. But I'm conscious that you know the, an owner seems to care for their for, care for something that um, that that they own more than a hired hand often does. Mm. And yet you know the thing that I suppose really stands out to me is that what we were what we were talking about yesterday was that our heavenly father is the one who owns this land. Mm. He's the one that cre- he created it and he redeemed us. So he actually owns the world and he owns us. But then we become his sons and daughters. So if you like, the land actually becomes family property. And what I've got my heavenly father and he has he has given me and just said to his children, I want you to I want you to care for everything that's actually here on the earth. Does does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you know, that's the whole purpose of um you know, he breathed into us life and and then what we have now is his. Everything is his. He's the creator. And when we understand when we as a as a Christian from that point of view, if we have that understanding that we are created other than somebody who believes that they are not created, that they just came from a big bang, there is a different 
different connection, I think, to the world around them. They're only in it for what they are. The actually Bible has a parable about this, yeah. about building your wealth, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, yeah. But that's the, the different aspect, that when we know we're created, then we, we know that the things around us are created and we are the part of God, God's mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. you know. Look, come to this parable, because I'm really interested in this parable that you, you just mentioned just then. Yeah. It's found in Luke uh, chapter 12 and uh, 15 onwards, uh, and it reads there, uh, Then he said to everyone present, Be careful not to focus too much on wealth, and in the process becoming covetous, because life is more than owning property or wealth. And then he gives this parable. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man owned much land, and year after year his farms produced these really large crops. Mm. And soon he didn't know where to store them all. He thought to himself, what am I going to do with all these crops? Where am I going to store them? And then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the old barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll have plenty of room for more crops. And after that I'll retire and take life easy and have all I want to eat, drink, and be happy. Does that sound familiar, Gary? It does. Now, now, how familiar is that in the big wide world in which we're living? Mm. Yeah. That's right. And these big companies, these takeover things, you know, and, and they, they knock out the competition and then they've got the rights. And we don't even know half the time yeah. who's yeah. owning who. And many yeah. people are duped into it, you know. And so this is all about building wealth. And then this is all about self. And this is what it's talking about here. But it says uh, in verse 20, but that night after the man had planned for his retirement, he actually died. Mm. 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 And then God said, I'm sorry this man was so foolish as to make no plans for the judgment. Yeah, yeah. Now who's going to enjoy all the things he worked so hard to get? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. As I as I sort of consider this man, you know, I mean, I look at him and I say, hey, you know, here we've got a steward, and he's he's been building up wealth. But I'm just imagining how he actually does that. You know, does he does he knock down a lot of uh, natural forest in order to uh, increase his land holding? He becomes wealthy through the multiplication of uh, of land and and assets and yet his thinking is totally towards his own personal needs mm-hmm. and you know to me as i look at that eric i say hey i i think there's a powerful lesson here because you know the parable finishes by uh, christ saying hey a day of judgment is actually going to come mm-hmm. but you know do you do you see this parable being enacted in our world fairly regularly? Oh, for sure, because when you read this, he was already wealthy. It starts off with a certain rich man, very yeah, rich. So, yeah. and and then it said year after year, he actually got more and more and more. He still wasn't satisfied. And as you said, not only the environment, maybe he was treating badly, but also. You know, what about people, you know, that, that are stepped on? Because when you're con- concerned about yourself, then you don't see the needs of others. And, and so he stores them all. And then, you know, to me, you know, he di- what was the point of it all? He died. Yeah. So yeah. all that that he had built up, he never even got to enjoy one morsel. He was too busy building, ripping down, if you like, tearing down and making his, his land bigger and, and whatever he was doing. But he didn't get to any part of it. He didn't enjoy any of those things, all those works that he had. And then it says in verse 21, that is how it is for those who work to get everything they want for themselves and make no effort to get to know God. 
Mm, and that's yeah. so powerful, you know. So, you know, we can be so involved in these things that we, we forget about, you know. In other words, about. stewardship involves us actually having a relationship with the Father and then accepting the Father's charge to us to care for his property while he's... You know, to me, that's such a beautiful thought because what it means is that my strength and my energy... The scriptures actually regard as being God's. Mm. The, uh, the stuff that I'm accumulating is actually regarded by the scriptures as being God's. Mm. And, you know, when I look at that, I say, hey, that throws a brand new perspective on everything that is occurring on this earth. I am actually Christ's representative on earth. I want to care for the Father's property. You know, this concept of stewardship, I think, really informs this environmental discussion in a really significant manner. That's right. And, you know, as we talk about this, you're in the minority, Gary, because that's not the way most people in the world think. Yeah. They think the other way that they need to get it. doesn't matter what is destroyed in the environment to get it. They will certainly get it. I remember in New Zealand one time um, I seen the logs of trees that have been cut down and instead of, um, you know, producing and, and manufacturing in New Zealand, they'd send them all the way over to China or somewhere and they'd just mass produce whatever they had there, you know. And so all this um, uh, means that it's just all about business and money and it doesn't matter about... It actually goes further down and it talks about, you know, don't even worry about your height, and I'm a pretty short fella, but it says don't worry, you can't even add an inch to it. It says that God will provide and take care. You know, all we're asked to do as Christians is to look look after the environment that you and I have been given to look after mm. and to and to build that up and, and not to build the, the, the rich upon rich because one day we're going to die and it's not going to be worth anything. Yeah. So spiritually we need to grow and you know I enjoy going in the garden Gary I, I, I'm one of those people that love weeding and, and being out there, I enjoy it in nature in the little plot that God has given me you know mm. and that just keeps me happy you know? Yeah, Eric Let's come to some music. I love this particular song. This is uh, Fountain View Academy, Showers of Blessing, because, you know, that's what the Heavenly Father has actually given to his children on earth. And he says to them, he says, I want you to, I want you to care for all that there is on this planet. Now, please enjoy Fountain View Academy, Showers of Blessing. Showers of Blessing, Showers of Blessing we Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we bring, there shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior Just reviving again
Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it is wonderful to have him with us today. Uh, does the Bible have anything to say about world environmental issue? That's the subject we're talking about today. Today, our subject in particular is who rightly owns the world and all that is in it. If a man, if a man is a steward of the planet, that means that he's under God's authority. Ancient stewards had to follow the master's directions. Yesterday we looked at the amazing positive impact to the environment if a vegetarian diet was generally accepted. Others are suggesting that a return to Sabbath rest back to the scriptural ideal could have a huge positive impact on our environment. Just a week or so ago, I, I stumbled across an, an article. Uh, it came from uh, online. Uh, it was entitled The Green Sabbath Project. Is there nothing, it says, that you can do about the environment? That's right. It says nothing may be one of the best things you can do. One day of every week, do nothing. And this is what it suggested. Take a weekly day of rest. Make it a real Sabbath for you, for the earth. Don't drive, don't shop, don't build. Take a walk, eat with friends, play or read with your kids, sing, spend time. And then it said this, Increasingly numbers of people see the wisdom of, of observing a technology sabbat, a, a break from all devices with screens. In Colombia, they have introduced car-free Sundays that the population savers. When Israeli cities shut down for the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, nitrogen oxide pollution in the air decreases for the day by 70 to 99%. Try it, the article said. One day a week, you'll stop creating the need for more goods, stop using up natural resources, stop emitting carbon dioxide and other pollutants. The Sabbath is said to be a foretaste of the world to come. That's from the Babylonian Talmud. Literally, if you care about our future, about your well-doing, observe a real Sabbath day of rest. It helps cultivate community, self-discipline, inner calm and contentment. One powerful weapon in the fight against environmental degradation and climate disaster may be just the old age spiritual, uh, may be just comes from the age-old a spiritual book. It could be a question of sitting down and doing nothing. You know, Eric, when I read this, I sort of thought, wow, I mean, this is an amazing article. This is something where we're being... It's, the suggestion is that the environment could be really aided if we were to simply have a day off, if we were to shut the factories 
mm. one day a week. What if we were to, uh, to, to really slow down and not get involved in the hustle bustle of our world and we spend time with family? Mm. What about if we even worshipped? Um, hey, <laughs> that's not being suggested here. Mm. But I just wonder, you know, is this something, Eric, that might be a positive impact on our environment. For sure, I think a day of rest, you know, imagine, as you're saying, if it happened all around the world, if, if we only had the essential services running and, and everything stopped and people rested, I don't think we'd have a world that is in such calamity of now as everybody just stopped what they were doing and rested. You know, in the Bible, it talked about the creation in the beginning, and it said there, he blessed the seventh day and set it apart as day of spiritual refreshment, you know, and in the commandments, it said to rest from your labours. Even the animals were to, to rest as well. So here it's also talking about the environment. It talks also about land that needs rest as well. We know that farmers, you know, when I used to be um, uh, just had our little five acres in New Zealand, we used to grow the hay on it and, and the crops. We knew, we knew that if we left one paddock, you had to leave it to rest so that it could produce more later on. So that word rest has deep implications for us all. And, and you know, I, as before when I before I understood the Sabbath on on a, on a day of uh, on a rest day that I thought was rest I would uh, go to church but I'd work the rest of the day mm. so it really wasn't resting at all it was resting for an, a couple of hours I guess when I look back on it but that was it but it's saying to and that has great beneficial not only to to us but to the environment as well yeah yeah do you know when i think of the what's actually i suppose if i put this onto a, a flow chart you know just imagine and what we've got is the heavenly father who's actually created this world he's then he sent jesus he's redeemed the world and you know he's called me to join him as his son or his daughter you know, that's a very beautiful picture because what, what he's actually doing is establishing the family of God. Mm. And, you know, when I become a child of God, what he says to me is, I want you to be my managing director. I want you to be my steward of everything that's occurring here on earth. And I want you and to help you out. And this is the thing that I love. He says, I'm going to give you a manual. And, you know, to me, that's actually what the Bible actually is. Mm. You know, and in the manual, it says, this is how you can care for your environment. This is how you can care for the life that I've given you. And, you know, just yesterday, the, the thing we talked about, we went into the book of Genesis and, and we discovered that, uh, you know, the original diet was actually the diet the vegetarian diet. Mm. Do you know, and as I, as we talked about that yesterday, what we came to realize was that if perchance, just imagine the entire world had remained vegetarian. Well, there's a huge number of articles that have actually been written mm. that talks about the positive impact the vegetarian vegan lifestyle would actually have on the environment of our world just mm. simply by following the book. Mm. Do you know, I, 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 I come today and I just simply say, hey, you know, what if we had followed the book from the very beginning and taken off one day a week 
And we put our tools down one day a week and we said, hey, we're going to fellowship together. We're going to relate to to God. We're going to worship. We're going to do that one day a week, but we're not going to work. We're not going to burn, uh, burn all these fossil fuels. We're not going to chop. We're not going to. We're going to stop and slow down. Mm. Now, that would be yep. one day a week. Yep. We're following the scriptures. Yep. And, you know, being human, we sometimes we can't understand why God has put that down for us to follow in that manual. Yeah. We don't understand it. I didn't understand it for a long time. And other things, too, of, of what to, you know, the benefits for our own health plus the environment as well. But when we see it, you know, when we feel it, when we're actually part of it, then we understand what God is doing. He, as stewards, he's given us a, a plan here to look after the environment but also for the resting of not only the environment but also of ourselves and that has a deep connection with the father you know in other words he cares not just for us mm. but for the environment he says mm. you need this beautiful thing called rest but so does the environment. In fact, as I go through the Old Testament, what I see in the in a lot of the um, Hebrew laws, we actually get commands. These are the times when you're to actually do nothing. Mm. The times you've got to have a holiday. Allow your fields to lie fallow certain amount of time. And this is all in Old Testament Hebraic law. And where did they get it from? It was revealed to them. To Eric... This this really impacts me because to me what it's saying is that if we had followed the book that the that the the maker of heaven and earth had actually given to us and said this is how you run your world, mm. we'd actually be in a lot better state than what we are today. That's right. And instead of the um, the manager of his farm, the rich man, instead of him labouring away and working the soil, you know, like doing the environment bit out there. If he had um, followed uh, what God was saying and actually rested and let the land rest as well, you know, he would have been able to enjoy part of his life before he died. But he died trying to work and to make everything, you know, run as he wanted it, yeah. not the way God wanted it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the whole point. We try and do that. I mean, we live in a busy world where people find it hard to stop. They find it hard to rest. Yeah. And to, to leave the land to rest, they find that hard. Or yeah. whatever they're doing in the environment, they, 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 they've got to, like ants, they've got to keep going. Yeah. They've got to stop and yeah. accept what you know, God has given that for a reason. What a God we're actually serving here because mm. we've got a God that in the Garden of Eden has turned around and he said, hey, you know, you own everything that there is. In in the world, I want to give you some gifts. So what I'm going to give you is a relationship, and hence he creates Eve and Adam and Eve come into relationship. And then he says, I want to give you rest as well. Mm. You know, you and the land and the environment need rest. To, to me, this is a powerful picture that's actually being painted here. Mm. Eric, let's come to some, some music. This is the Forbes family, Treasures Unseen. Bye. 
that treasures unseen isn't it true we live in a world where there are so many treasures out there that we don't take notice of so many treasures that we don't care for uh, welcome back you're listening to faith fm drive time big q a with pastor gary our co-host is eric hoare and eric's the recently retired pastor of the adelaide aboriginal seventh day adventist church and we've been talking about who uh, who rightly owns and what is our relationship to the owner of this world. Eric, bring it together for us. We have only a minute or two to go. Well, in the beginning, you know, God gives us life, doesn't he? And he created us from the soil of the earth, from the very thing that we're talking about today, uh, part of the environment, the soil. And, you know, the elements of us uh, go back to the soil at the end of the day. So what happens in between is so important. God has given us a plan that we would not only look after ourselves uh, in a stewardship way, but also what what's around us yeah. and so what we've been given is something that we may think we own we may pay for it here on this earth but it belongs to God mm-hmm. and um, you know you might have a title you might finally get that mortgage paid off at the bank and work hard for that and and, and you get the title but it is God's property and what he's saying I think through the parable that we've been reading and, and things is not to put your trust in, the, in the, the riches of this world not to destroy their environment to gain those riches but just to be content to rest in peace, to have that peace to know that God is the one in control. He, this land is his. He, he is our father. Mm. We are the, he, we are his servants yes. and we work for our family's property. Yes, we yeah. are the sons and daughters of God. Yeah. So therefore, this inheritance is what we're all part of. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful picture. That's beautiful. Eric, please pray for us. Yep. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we've been able to come today to you in this program in prayer. I just want to thank you, Lord, for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for our friend and creator and our soon coming Messiah. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful land you have given us. Thank you for the birds and the flowers and the trees, the pure water. And, Lord, we know that from the beginning, Lord, you've entrusted this to us. And so, Lord, we pray that we will look after what you have given to us, Lord, that in this world we'll not look after, look for self and build up our own wealth and then die wondering, you know... <laughs> You know, we don't enjoy anything, but just to enjoy life as it is, to just enjoy the nature that we have and understand that you are the one in control. So, Lord, we just pray you'll bless each one listening tonight. Pray, Lord, that each one will come closer and closer to you. And we want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, my friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow as we dig into this subject again and we ask from the Bible, why are current environmental policies doomed to failure? 
really look forward to joining you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.